0: Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga A teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. The Word, Amen Thank you Lord Let's pray, let's get into the Word, get your writing materials Let's learn something tonight. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So this month we've been talking about giving, studying giving, and kingdom finances from several perspectives. And Sister Mary did an awesome job on Wednesday and Sunday as she talked about giving from the woman with the alabaster box the fact that we need to give our time, give our money, give our resources. And, um, All of those teachings build up Into this subject of giving But you remember I was doing 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 We're doing verse by verse study of 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 And so we go back there 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 Can you remember which verse we stopped? Verse what? Verse 5 Someone says verse 5 Someone says verse 6 Another person says verse 4 I hope somebody won't say we stopped in Revelation Uh, So Someone says what again? Someone said 8 Alright Okay Okay Alright, so let's, let's start from verse 4 That's the highest Nobody said verse 3, so we're fine Okay, verse 5 Okay, let's start from verse 4 We can start reading from verse 1 Then I'll pick up the teaching from, from verse 4 and 5 again But actually We stopped in between verse 4 and 5 So we stopped in 4 and a half Okay, now brethren We wish to make known to you The grace of God Which has been given in the churches of Macedonia That in a great ordeal of affliction Their abundance of joy And their deep poverty Overflowed In the wealth of their Liberality Verse 3 For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability they gave of their own accord begging us with much urging of the for favor for the favor of participation in the support of the saints so i said the word participation it's the greek word koinonia it means fellowship okay It means sharing in communion, sharing in fellowship, participating. So when we give to the saints, when we minister to one another, that's actually part of fellowship. Fellowship is not just clapping our hands. Fellowship also means that we share in one another's needs. Praise God. Then it says, And this, not as we had expected. That means when, when you see someone, you can expect what they should give. But it says, these people... Uh, beat our expectation. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And this is very important. Inasmuch as giving is important to the Lord, the Lord doesn't want us to put giving of money first before giving ourselves. You know, because sometimes if we're not careful, it'll look like once we give God money, then that's it. It's more like we've paid God off. No, God wants to that we give ourselves first. Now, if any man give himself to the Lord, it will be easy to give his resources. Am I right? Yeah. Once you have given yourself, and I think Sister uh, Mary talked about that. If you have given yourself to the Lord, it is easy to give your resources. Uh, If you love someone It's easy to share your resources Love Is a higher expression In the spiritual realm So once you love someone Once you have given yourself to someone It's easy To give of your resources And most times We try to make believers Give to the Lord When they haven't given themselves to the Lord So it becomes a struggle becomes a deep struggle. So, a man has to give himself to the Lord and giving of his resources will naturally follow suit because the Bible says, where your heart is, your treasure will be there. Or where your treasure is, your heart will be there. So, if I want to find out the heart of a man, I will find out where his treasure is. If I can find your treasure... Come on now. I can get your heart. Are you following this? Your heart will move in the direction of your treasure. So if your heart is in the kingdom, your treasure will be in the kingdom. There was this story uh, that was said of a man. I don't know whether it's true. I read it. I don't think it's true, but... It's a true example. You know, of a man that was about to be baptized. Okay? And uh, as they were about to put him in the, in the water, they said, we need to baptize you by total immersion. So he asked the pastor, does my wallet need to be baptized also? And the pastor said, yes. He said, no, he can't baptize his wallet. You know, so what I'm trying to say is this. When a man gets in the kingdom, everything he has belongs to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everything he has belongs to God. Not as we had expected. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Now, I want to say something there. There is no how you will give to the kingdom without trusting a man. Giving to God will be the channel of men. So, for instance, we just spent the last seven days traveling over four churches teaching every day. And that's possible because our partners gave. So uh, either you're giving to the local church or to preaching of the gospel. Uh, in the book of Acts, they were bringing the resources to the apostles' feet. What I'm trying to say is this. In giving to God, it has to go through the agency of man. So when you, when you have given yourself to the Lord... You would have to give yourself to a man, in essence, trusting a man to commit the resources to, because nothing on the earth would get done where the gospel is concerned without the instrumentality of man. Praise God. So it goes on to say, so that's where we kind of stopped. So, verse 6 says, So we asked Titus, that as he had previously made a beginning. So Titus was the one who started raising these funds. So he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Now, please pay very close attention tonight. Because I want to explain that scripture. That it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, he became poor. So that for his sake, sake, man, and all of that. So I want to explain it today. But you pay attention to that now. Look at what he used the word grace. At the beginning of, this, of the chapter. Chapter 8, verse 1. But look at what he says here. Pay attention to the use of this word. He says, um, So we are Titus, that he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. What is the gracious work he's referring to here? What do you think it is? <clears throat> giving. Because we know that their giving was grace motivated. They were not giving just to get something. They were not sowing to Jerusalem so they can receive Jerusalem anointing. Come on now. It is a function of grace. Now, Paul tells Titus, this gracious work, you have to make sure, because Paul was using the Macedonian Christians as an example to the Christians in Corinth. Yeah? So he was telling them, see those guys, they don't have as much as you have. And, and they, are, they were begging us to give. But you guys, finish what you started. It's like you pledge. Right? This year, oh, I'm going to support the gospel. Oh! The gospel. And then you start in January and February. And then in March, say, we haven't seen your partnership. So you will not read the COVID-19 statistics. No, so Paul is saying, continue what you started. Finish it up. Praise God. Now, let's go on. He says, now, nah, I like this. But just as you are bound in everything. Hmm? Brother Hagin used to talk, talk, talk the story of a man who used to come to uh, camp meeting. He says the man will come to camp meeting. He will dance in the spirit. He would, he would sing in the spirit. He would run around when the Holy Ghost starts moving. He would take notes. He would pray in tongues. He said he would roll on the floor. But a quarter never fell out of his pocket. You know? A uh, quarter is, you know, a small amount of money. And that's what Paul was trying to tell these guys. He said, listen, as you are bound in everything, you are bound in faith. Men, you are a faith giant. You are bound in utterance. You know, even before they say, let's pray, you started speaking in tongues. Abound in utterance. It's like there's too much tongues on your inside. You can't wait to let it loose. Huh? Abound in knowledge. Greek and Hebrew. You know every Greek word. You know every Hebrew word. Say, you are bound in everything. <laughs> Look at what it says. In all earnestness. And in the love we inspired in you. he says, see to it. <laughs> see to it that you are bound in this gracious work also. There are many Christians who are bound in everything except giving. Hmm? They abound in everything, but their, their cover will not drop. Abound in love. Oh, Jesus. Before you start singing, they started crying. <laughs> I give myself away. God, take it, take it. I don't need it. Right? Say, let's pray in tongues. they ask you how many hours. They say, no, I just said let's pray. Say, let's do two. Say, ah, no, 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 no. We used to do two when we were in secondary school. Let's do four. Abound in utterance. Before you preach, ah, the Greek word says this exegesis, let me contextual. Seven translations open, amplify says this, message says this, NIV says this, even my own translation says this. Abounding. Offering time, then you put your hand in your pocket. You don't abound in that. Paul says, listen, you guys abound in everything. When he uses the word see to it, it means abounding in giving has to also do with personal responsibility. Endeavor, ensure you be disciplined to see that you are bound in giving. Because I'll tell you this giving does not come natural to anybody. Even try your child. Give your child a packet of biscuit now. eh? And they are walking away. And turn back and just ask them, Can I get some more? What what is the child going to do? You know what the child is going to do because you did it. What's gonna happen? The child will turn back. Why? Giving is not the nature of the fallen man. You have to discipline yourself to give to the kingdom now. Even normally, people don't like to give, people don't like to share naturally. You would also know. I mean, I mean, like Stamir was talking in our own message, sometimes it's not even about money. You know, in those days in school, when you knew the answer, where the answer was in the textbook, you never showed anybody because you wanted everybody to fail. Say, so where did you get the answer? I said, I've not done my homework. <laughs> and then, you wanted people to get zero because that became a laughing point. Okay? So, it says, see that you abound in this gracious work also. So, as you're abounding in everything, when there is a contribution, when there is a commitment to the kingdom endeavor that this gracious work you also abound in it I am not speaking this as a command and this is where we need to get it no giving in the New Testament came as a command, came as force I I always say this, In anytime I teach about finances I always say this, any New Testament giving that is accepted is the giving that comes from the heart of a man willingly and freely Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Paul says, listen. I'm not speaking this as a command. It's not like I'm trying to force you to give. It says, but as proving true the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love also. What he's trying to say is, listen. If you really love these guys, the proof of it is given. That's the proof. You can't say you love the kingdom or the saints... Without giving to them. Right? Giving. Is one of the proofs of love. And that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter thirteen That if I give myself. And I don't do it out of love. Then it profits me nothing. But every giving should be motivated by love. Giving is also the proof of love. For God so loved the world. That what did God do? Come on. Gave his only begotten son. So you can't just say, I love the kingdom. I love the saints. I I love the word of God to go forth. And then you're not giving towards it. He says, I want you to prove the sincerity of your love. Praise God. Now, this is the main verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I know this is the, one of the most popular verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse, verse 9, right? In fact, I know most people have not started studying 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, 2. They just go to 9 straight. Okay, so let's ask a simple question. How was Jesus rich? How did he become poor? How are you now rich? So, some theologians say that Jesus was poor naturally. So let's answer that question. Was Jesus naturally poor? Because in some people's mind, Jesus just wore white garments. with You know, with, he was a bearded gang man. Okay, and was just walking Galilee with 12 men. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then once night comes, he say, "Where well, we will sleep. Say, okay, let's try it. And, and in some people's mind, that's how Jesus worked. But let's look at the scriptures they used to teach that. So I want to explain something first before I explain what it means in this scripture. You must understand it in the context of this scripture. You've got to pay attention now. So let's answer the question first. Was Jesus poor? And then they use this scripture, Luke chapter 9, to, to, to say that Jesus was poor. Uh Luke 9, 58. It says. Luke 9, 58. It says uh As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my dead. So some theologians say, when Jesus said the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, it means that Jesus did not have a house. This is not correct. That's not a correct interpretation of this scripture. Jesus was speaking in parables. He was speaking symbolically. He was saying that I have not gone to the cross, and there is nowhere I can reside because after going to the cross, man was going to be the dwelling place of God, where the Son of Man would rest. And why? You would not say Jesus. Um, Jesus. Uh, Why? This scripture is not enough proof to say Jesus did not have a house. Because there are other scriptures I'll show you that showed that Jesus had a house. The first two disciples that left John the Baptist, they asked him, Say, Master, we want to see your house. And then when they followed Jesus to his house, the Bible said they did not return anymore. If Jesus did not stay in a the house, they would have returned. Alright? Now, the second, the second thing, even in this context, is that someone asked Jesus to follow him. All right? And Jesus made this statement The next verse Jesus is asking someone else to follow him So if Jesus did not have a house Where he was going to He would not ask the second person to say follow me The one that gave him the excuse Which is verse uh, 59 He said to another follow me So if I just ask you and say I want to follow you And you say the birds have uh, nests These have holes The son of man have nowhere to lay his head Then I turn to somebody else and I say follow me it means that my conversation is not just based on the natural where to stay. It's something higher because it's the cost of discipleship. Okay? So that's one of the scriptures people use to say Jesus was poor. Then, the second one people use is Matthew 27 verse 56 to 60. That Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. So he couldn't even afford his own grave. Uh, just some thoughts there. Uh, Now So you can't really find Scriptures to say Jesus was poor Materially Okay, I'm, I'm going somewhere You can't find scriptures to say Jesus was poor materially Because he says he was rich And for his sake he became poor So it wasn't like when Jesus came to the earth He was poor materially You cannot really find scriptures to Substantiate that fact Meanwhile you can find scriptures to Substantiate the fact that Jesus Had a bit of means Okay, so that that scripture cannot be interpreted. Interpreted that when Jesus came, he became poor naturally, so we can be rich naturally. It, it wouldn't flow because Jesus wasn't really poor on the earth. Okay, um, geologists agree, and I agree with them that Jesus owned a home, Matthew chapter four verse thirteen, because of the Greek word used there, the Koine Greek used there. Um, that he went to his own house. They use the word settled in the Greek. It's, it's, it's a word that's like K-A-T-A-O-I-K-E-O. It means to settling. So they used it for, for, you know, it would imply that he owned the place. Or at least that was where he stayed. It wasn't just that, you know, Jesus was going to, you know, pass by. Matthew chapter 4. And I, I really need you to follow this carefully. Verse 13. Verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Campanion, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. That word settled uh, speaks of staying there. So in a sense, most theologians agree that the headquarters of Jesus' ministry at this point was in Campanion. That's why the prophetic word went that uh, Campanion had seen a great light. Because that was where Jesus operated from, that was more like the traveling base, so we can we can agree that Jesus owned at least a place to stay, okay, and we also know when Jesus talked to Lazarus, they talked about Lazarus as his friend, where he visited constantly because uh, because he was a regular visitor there that 's why immediately he went in there, you know Martha started you know preparing food, okay Peter. They went to his mother-in-law's house. So even if Jesus was homeless, there were a couple of homes he would have been able to squat and live in. Okay, are you here? Okay, just clarify something so you can understand how that scripture is interpreted. Because some people interpret it that when Jesus came here, he was poor, so we can be rich. That's not. That's not true. John four eight, Jesus had enough money. John is it's. I mean one of the disciples that was very close to Jesus So I'm going to stay with John Because he'll share a few things with us Regarding the material wealth of Jesus John chapter 4 verse 8 Now let me say this because it's coming up in my spirit We need to be careful about this also Jesus had considerable means on the earth But that was not what defined him Okay so, so I think what God Not I think I know what God wants to do in this day And in this season, is to prosper Christians who are conservative. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. We must not make that the most important topic in our discussion, in our Sunday services, because the gospel is the central theme of the New Testament. You know, a lot of people tell me, well, in the Old Testament, they listed what people had. They listed things. Why is it that people are silent about wealth in the New Testament? Because something higher had come. It's very simple. That's why you don't see so much emphasis of money in the New Testament in that sense. Because, you know, all they had in the Old Testament to show for the blessing was the material things God gave to them. In the New Testament, all we have to show for the blessing is that we're now the sons of God. The Holy Ghost lives in us. We're now the temple of God. And what greater wealth can you boast of than to know that the mighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, is your father. You can't be talking about they have 2 cars. You know, I I posted something some days ago. I said, when people ask you, what's the proof of your Christianity? Don't point to your car. Point to your character. I'll say that again. When people ask you, what's the proof of your Christianity? Don't point to your car. Point to what? Your character. The fruit of the Spirit. Because that's something stronger. Okay. John 4, 8, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Everybody say to buy buy food. Not to beg food. To do what? To buy food. Now, let's put this in simple terms. His disciples went to buy food. Now, of course, there were about 12 men traveling. And, and, and I don't want to go too theological, but Jesus actually had 12 apostles. Jesus did not have 12 disciples. There were 70 who were his disciples. But the foundational apostles are 12. Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus had many disciples. You remember at one time they were casting out demons and some people who were not with them were, were doing the same thing and they said, can we stop them? Say, said, don't stop them. He does not against us. And at a time, he actually sent the 70 out. I actually believe that Jesus was traveling with more than 12 people at the same time. Because in those days, you have to travel a bit in caravan. But let's, let's, let's stay here. He says the disciples have gone to buy food. So if Jesus didn't have money... They will not go and buy food. They'll be waiting for free food. Hmm? So, uh, to buy food. And of course, let's even agree that they are they are traveling with 12 men plus Jesus 13. If you have to buy food for 13 people every day, you know how much that costs, right? That's not that's not small money. Eh? Buying food for 13 people three times a day. Jesus wasn't always fasting. Okay? And of course, you know Peter. Peter would say, if if I was not fishing, I know what I would be eating. <laughs> Did you call us or you didn't call us? Let us know now. Where is this journey going to end? And if they were not eating where well, Peter would have said it. Say, Master. You know, Peter told him, say, we've left all so and follow you. What? what? What's our gain here? Tell us this thing. Let's know where. Because, you know, I'm studying, I'm studying New Testament history now. It's just amazing. You know, you know, sometimes in my heart, I feel that you come to church and we just do... New Testament history. It's amazing as I study New Testament history again to realize that sometimes you need to understand history to understand what these people went through. Jesus was not the finest person on the earth that everybody wanted to follow. These guys risked their life to follow Jesus. In fact, one of my lecturers today in class was telling us, he said, and I think I posted it, he said, in those days, when you had a copy of the Bible, they would execute you. They would kill you for it. Because they saw it as a, a rebel sex. Are, are you following this? You know, Jesus was co- convicted as a national criminal. The whole government. You see, they took Barabbas and him with all Jesus. And say, said, which thief do you want to be released? Because they released one thief a year. Hmm? As the governor's pardon. And they says, no, they want this guy. So, following Jesus came at a cost. So, following Jesus came at a cost that if you had already paid that kind of sacrifice, nobody was going to give you free food. Because if you have sense, you will not follow that man. Now you are begging for food. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so. Let's see this again. Just some simple facts, then we'll explain this. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, when the, the Magi came to visit Jesus, okay, um, they did not go to the manger anymore. They came to the house. After coming into the house, into the house, not the manger, into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, fell to the ground, worshipped him, then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, I mean, gold was expensive. And they, this, these wise men, I know you, you think they are three, they are not. The gifts are three, they are wise men. Three people did not travel with gold in those days. They would kill them. So they traveled in caravans. They didn't bring small gold. They brought all of these things, You know, of course, this this represented symbolically his kingship, his sacrifice, and everything. But it brought all of these things to him. So even at the birth of Jesus, uh, there was resources ministered to him. Now you must also understand that it was not for lack of funds that Jesus was born in the manger. There was no room in the inn because uh, Augustus Caesar had said that everybody should go back home and register. You know, do a census in their town. So there was a rush. So everybody came back home and that whole uh, place was, was booked. So there was no, it wasn't because they didn't have money that they gave birth. No, there was no room. So they had to make it. But when they came back to visit, you could realize that they already had a home. And why am I saying this? Jesus was also not raised by poor parents. Joseph was a carpenter of repute that people knew. And... Th- History has it that when Joseph died Jesus picked up the trade Before he went into full time ministry Well that's history You can't find scriptures to feed that But that's what uh, history books will say But then uh, they knew him as the carpenter's son And because of this kind of person If his father had made bad chairs uh, Somebody would have raised his hand in the congregation And said you are teaching to us about kingdom you know, But the chair your father made for us is shaking. How many of you know somebody would have, would have at least said something about the chair of Jesus? Because they were looking for everything to, you know, to, yeah, to, to nail him. Okay. Then John chapter 12 verse 6. Just to know that at least considerably. You know, another thing that uh, people say is, well, Jesus did not have money to pay tax. Um Truth is again, theologians say that it wasn't like they were always traveling with money, and um, probably John, uh, probably um, Judas wasn't there. i Have gone to negotiate, Let's put Jesus on GG platform. We have original Jesus for sale. How much do you want to buy? Because guy was always going out. Okay, John twelve six. Verse five, you read it. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? So Judas knew how much this perfume would have costed. Hmm? So he was a good accountant. Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor. But because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, not wallet, money box. He used to pilfer what was put in it. Before you think that that's a good English, the actual word is that he used to steal. Say, man, I just like to pilfer. <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't. Don't go there. Don't go there. You, if you are a poor man and they steal money from you, you know. Hmm? And you will not let it go. Imagine you have two fights. Five. I am squatting with someone. And you come back, you don't know, see 2,000. It's not, it's not, it's not that, uh, did anybody come? You say, lock the door, give me the key first. <laughs> there were 2,000. And you even tell them, the 500 naira had purple mark on top. Because, I mean, you, you know how much you have. So the guy was a thief. Okay? And you know, Jesus, thank God Jesus did not mention this to other disciples. I'm sure Peter would have killed him. Like, this money we are, we are planning to use for the ministry... <laughs> Okay, so if the, if Jesus was poor, there will not be any money to steal from. John thirteen twenty nine. John thirteen twenty nine. Okay, it's good to ask scriptures when when you're talking about these things. For some, uh, this was the night he went to sell Jesus. For some, were supposing because Judas had the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need of for the feast or else that he should give something to the poor. So Jesus had so much money that immediately Judas stood up. They just thought in their mind, ah, he's going to buy something we need or Jesus has sent him to give money to the poor. It means that that was a regular habit of Jesus. Judas was always going to buy something or to give something to the poor. If you are poor, you will not have something to give to the poor in that sense. To do it constantly, imagine that Maybe somebody stands up now and in your mind you say, Oh, I think Pastor has sent him to buy something or to give something to the poor. That means that's something we do regularly. Do you agree with that? Okay. And let me tell you this. Except you have Jesus, nothing will satisfy you. Judas had the money box. Judas was stealing and he still sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So you ask, what was he looking for? Money doesn't satisfy. That's why sometimes you still have leaders you know, some, some leaders stole so much from this country, since they died, they have been giving us part of his money. Once Nigeria is broke, they will release a part to us. Say, that's your leader. This is part of what he stole. You both can use this to hold yourself to the next season. And then you would ask yourself that if this man was alive, what was he going to do with all of this money? Knowing fully whether you're the president of the nation, you're not paying your house rent, you're not paying for fuel, you're not paying for anything. Yet you still stole that much. Greed is bad. It's terrible. I'm telling you. Even when you are stealing, steal mercifully. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we come to a point and you say, we know you will steal. Eh, just steal 10%. Take it tight. And help the rest. But you know, I mean, it's funny at this time in this country, we're still putting television cameras on to, con- to, to, to open boreholes. God not dedicate six boreholes, holes. And then there are camera crew there. And they are dedicating it in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And I know from heaven, God is just saying, don't count me in that, your project. Not part of it. Alright, okay. Luke chapter 8 verse 3, quickly. Let's let's identify this, and then we'll we'll do this. Luke 8 3. Was Jesus Paul naturally? 8 verse 3. If we have a, a, a translation... Can, can we have the, do we have the message translation? Um, verse 1 says, after this Jesus was going preaching the kingdom of God, traveling through the cities. Verse 3, and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others, who were contributing to their support out of their private means. It says, who used their considerable means to so provide for the company. So Jesus had partners who were giving substance, the King James version says. Not chicken change. Luke chapter 8, verse 3 is the way the ministry of Jesus was funded through partnership. Giving substance. To support the company. So these were the women that were regularly blessing Jesus, ministering to Jesus. So that the word can go forth. So we know that he wasn't poor. John chapter 19 verse 23, the Roman soldiers fought over his garments. Now, although that was also to fulfill prophecy, but uh, the soldiers would not fight over the singlet of a criminal. You think so? Do you think so? Number one, they didn't believe he was anointed, so they were not taking mantle. Okay? So Jesus had this loose outer garment, and then he had this inner garment. Okay, John chapter nineteen, go to verse twenty three. Then the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his outer garment. So we know that the outer garment was taken. So this was the inner garment, huh? And made four parts, a part of each soldier. Soldiers can be funny. And also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamlessly woven in one piece, so it wasn't joined. This was really good stuff. Jesus was wearing good stuff. And you know the thing I like about Jesus? What he was wearing was the same thing his disciples was, was wearing. As we grow up in leadership, we must not allow people that serve around us to look beggarly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's important. Hmm? The, people should not just walk into our company and just go out, this is the ogre. If I even have some people say, you want to dress like me? <laughs> because the, the, we know on the day of crucifixion, They had to identify Jesus with a kiss. Because when you looked at the 12 disciples and Jesus, you couldn't really identify. And that's a principle of New Testament leadership. Praise God. So the robe was seamless. And he said, let's not tear this. So they casted lot for it. No Roman soldier would cast lots for the singlets of uh, someone who... Praise God. Are you still here? All right. Okay, now, when we talk about the fact that Jesus was rich, what are we talking about? It's very simple. It was the fact that Jesus came down to the earth. Jesus came down to the earth. To the earth Get me my mark quickly My mark Jesus came down to the earth When he Go to Second Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5 And here, um, Verse 21 Or oh, let's look at verse 20 It says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you, no, the laptop, laptop. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God where? In Christ. Are are you following this? Now, Jesus had all the glory with God. He was rich in glory. The Bible says, give me the glory which I had with you before the world began. So what happened is that Jesus was rich in glory But when he came to the earth Thank you When he came to the earth What happened? He descended And that glory was reduced The the process of Jesus coming from the heavenlies to the earth realm As the incarnate son of God Is what was termed as poverty Are, Are you following this now? Okay you don't get it Do you understand what I mean? Okay Let's see this Jesus Being with God Being with the Father Is termed rich Now the fact that he lowered himself To the earth realm Okay To come and die for humanity That process of lowering himself Is the process by which he became poor now how do you now become rich? By accepting that sacrifice of Jesus and becoming a believer in Christ, you are now rich because now you are redeemed. So it wasn't just talking here of material wealth because in the, in the essence of what Paul was discussing, Paul was talking about the grace of God. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which was what? Which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Alright? He's talking about the grace of God, which was given to the churches of Macedonia. Now, let's go to um, Philippians. Thank you, Lord. Philippians chapter 2. Okay? Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5. It defines what I'm saying. It says, Who although, or verse 5, it says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regret, Regard equality with God A thing to be grasped So in a pre-incarnation Before Jesus came on the earth He was equal with God Or he is equal with God Now in lowering himself to the earth That was poverty spiritually That was being poor Now how does that make you rich? By accepting the gift of redemption The Father now lives in you Praise the name of the Lord Let's, let's, let's read on verse 7 but emptied himself. But did what? Emptied what? Himself. Taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Did you see how Jesus became poor? How did he become poor? You said you saw it. What did you see? How did Jesus become poor? He emptied himself. That's it right there. So he became a man. How do you now become rich? By accepting that sacrifice. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, that sacrifice of redemption also pays the price for your poverty. Because poverty came in Genesis chapter 3 as a result of the curse. So your redemption covers healing. Your redemption covers prosperity. Your redemption covers preservation. Do you follow it? But you know, sometimes when people read this scripture, in their mind they just feel like, yo, Jesus was very rich. Then when he came to the earth, he became poor so that we can become rich. It's not in that sense. The scripture in this sense is talking about the riches of grace that we have in salvation. And that redemption that has been given to us is the same thing that qualifies us to now walk in the blessing. Because when man came under the yoke of poverty, he came under the curse. So when you quote this scripture, you quote it with an understanding that the price for my total liberation has been paid. And because the Macedonian Christians had that understanding of this revelation, even though they were poor materially, they, they were begging to give because they know that they are now redeemed. I tell you this, if you, if you truly understand redemption, one of the things it will eradicate in your heart is the mindset and the mentality of a poor person. It will take it out. You will begin to see yourself as a son of God, as a child of God, and the nature of God will well up in you, and you will begin to give. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, if you look at... Um, Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11. let's look at uh, the life of Moses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 11:24. He says, "By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. chosen rather. To enjoy ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Verse 26. Considering... Look at this. Look at this. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches. Everybody say greater riches. Say it one more time. Say greater riches. Can 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 you see this? How this guy rated riches? That the reproach of Christ was greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Ah. See... See, let me tell you If you want to understand You know sometimes you say People have gone mad This is a perfect description of it Moses was trained by Pharaoh To become the next king of Egypt King of Egypt then Was like becoming the president of America I don't know if that still holds true But in that sense You know it's like the president of America is president of the world The way we see it Okay Uh, Political science people don't come after me Whatever you guys agree on Who is superpower now is fine but that's the essence. Egypt was the cradle of civilization. Egypt was the governing principality. Becoming a pharaoh was like becoming a god on the world. And then a man said, Listen, I rather die in the wilderness than become number two. Ah, if we were to be today, is your pastor that will call you? As I they call Moses. In life, there are doors. That when God opens, no man can shut. That one, if you are not entering, the whole church, you will enter that door. You see, we must come to a point, and when we teach these things, and we say these things, you know, we laugh about it. But if you check your daily life, what makes people to compromise their faith is not even up to the treasures of Egypt. It might be the treasure of a smartphone. Hmm? Treasure of You know, I I don't know if it still happens But I know people who When they got born again in our our campus Bad guys who got born again in our campus And they went into the exam hall You know, because they were not used to reading And they got born again You know, those people at salvation came at a critical hour Maybe they got born again a month to exam And they haven't studied And they were depending On either somebody to write exams for them Or give them expo Is there an English word for expo? Is there something What's that? Well, as I mentioned my practice. No, as I mentioned my practice is the system. <laughs> Expo is the item. <laughs> if you don't understand it, just come and live in Nigeria. But you understand know what I'm saying? So, both the system and the item. Right? And they, 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 they failed. They failed because they said, listen, we will not spy. We will not go against our faith. But today you have believers who pay for special center for their children. If you, if you give birth to a child who cannot pass exam on their own without funding, ask God for mercy. Hmm? And those, some, sometimes the principals of those special centres are Dickens. So you think those people will esteem the reproaches of Christ more than the riches of Egypt? No way. They will build castles. castle. In our own life. So when he talks about riches in Sarah we've got to understand this. We've got to understand this. That there is a wealth the believer has that is more than material things. Listen to this. If you have an understanding of this, even if you don't have material things with you, there is a joy and a confidence that will be in your heart. That listen, the God of the whole world who owns the castle on a thousand hills is my father. If I have a need, he will supply it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If ministers understood this truth, they will not be on everybody's neck for money. If believers understood this truth, corruption will reduce to its barest minimum. That is why, um, going out, but it's fine. That is why, when true revival breaks out, the society is transformed because men's heart will convince them of iniquity, and they will not go. Hmm? When Zacchaeus met Jesus. Jesus did not teach restitution. I've seen people teach restitution, and really, you don't have a business teaching restitution because restitution is not practicable. And I, maybe I'll spend one of these Wednesdays to, to teach you. Hmm? People say, "Oh, you are born again. I go and restitute did, all the meat you took from your mother's pot. Is that not sin?" Or, you see, because if you want to keep the law in that sense, you have to keep it to the least. Do you understand what I'm saying? All the people you look that are lustfully, how will you restitute those ones? There are some things you even stole, you are not aware you stole them again. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But when Jesus met Zacchaeus, you know what Zacchaeus said? He said, Everything I've taken forcefully. What did he do? He gave back. Salvation will make you respond to God in a proper way. Hmm? When people got born again, those who had girlfriends. Receiving Christ severed those relationships. They just went and said, you know what? I'm born again. I can't continue in this. But you have Christians today who, even if they don't have girlfriends, they are the one looking for. Say, I'm born again, but nobody is (laughs) coming. Then all we need to do is just to change the name. Who is this? He says, my fiancée. My fiancée, my fiancée, my fiancée. Two years. Fiancée, fiancée, three years. Fancy eight years. Then you just come and say, "Pastor, it has happened. No, we made a mistake. <laughs> it has happened doesn't mean it was once. It's a consistent practice until yeah. Eh? So, so you see, you see something is if we understand this thing about salvation, our it will be some choices we think is difficult will be easy. But if we understand Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine, just only in the context of material wealth, we will be judging everything by money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, Revelation chapter 4. Am I right? Chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Thank you Lord. Boy, are you understanding what I'm saying here? About what the riches that we now have? Praise God. And you know, this is not about dampling material wealth. But he's explaining what that scripture actually means. That you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. That grace is in you. You're now the child of God. You're redeemed. He emptied himself so you can become the son of God. Remember our quote by C. S. Lewis. The son of man. The son of God became the son of man. So that the sons of men can do what? Can become the sons of God. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I will wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. They had material wealth. Laudation was a business, a commercial center. It says, and you do not know that you are rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You see, we must always judge ourselves with the standards of God. These people came and say, I'm rich. I have need of nothing. And I tell people this. It is always a difficult thing to serve God in the midst of prosperity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It, ah, you know, when you don't have money, say, oh God, oh, if you bless me, people will know... If you bless me people, we know. And immediately God bless you. That's when you will now become chairman of your village association. Old boys association will make you vice secretary. Before you know, you are so occupied. So occupied that you don't have time to serve God. Sometimes when you don't have. Huh? You know, it's funny. I mean, it's really funny. Sometimes we think that if we don't have money, we will serve God more. Where you are in that your one room in that your bachelor, you are praying. Oh Lord, God, say, the man, they come. Out. Ah Lord, they, they break through. They, close, they. doors now open. Have hmm? get one good job, pay you hundred k. All the needs, maybe you used to pray for fourteen needs, ten disappeared by that money. Only four remain. Hmm? You know sometimes we, we watch comedians and we we, we have well, stop watching comedy actually because sometimes all these things and they say yeah there's a difference between a rich man prayer and a poor man prayer. Then you now switch. Oh Father, thank you. Oh Father, thank you. I'm feeling, I'm feeling dizzy. Lie down a bit. <laughs> and then you will lie down. Come back from work, tired, devotional life, gone. Hmm? And some sweet sisters will now begin to hang around you. You are now uh, you're not doing palliatives. Hmm? Before you know, no commitment. Then when they say, ah, we have committed. say, I will will sponsor two people. Let them go. (laughs) You know, you you, approach. And that's why God had to warn the children of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Because after God has blessed you, you now start teaching motivational principles. Say, so you will not say, by the power of my hands. It says you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Look at what he says. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich. And white garments, so you may clothe yourself, that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I shall to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. I'll have time to talk about this church. Say, let your nakedness not be revealed. You are clothed, but you're naked. When Adam lost the glory. He became naked. That glory that Adam had before before he fell is true riches. When you see a believer who is walking with God, there should be a radiance of God's glory around him. The clothing of immortality. The clothing of the very life of God. The clothing of the very presence of God. That's true riches. That's true riches. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. And you must, we'll talk about that on, on Sunday. Paul says, charge them that are rich. When you have money, you must discipline yourself to study. When you have comfort, when you didn't have air condition, it's only fan, And the fan was making noise. You could not sleep. You get up and pray. sleep is not catching. Up. I can't do pray. Now there is AC. You just sleep before you know. 8 o'clock. Oh, 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 oh. Rush to work. Come back. No prayer life. May our prosperity not destroy us. May our prosperity not destroy our relationship with God. Say Amen. Amen. I posted something today. God called Jonah. Jonah paid his transport fare to Tarshish. You can fund your disobedience in ministry. Hmm? Since he didn't rely on God to pay the transport fare, he could pay and go anywhere he wants to go. Our wealth must not take us away from God. The more comfort, the more God blesses you, the more you have to discipline yourself. That listen, this blessing will make me serve God more. It will not take me away from God. Are you still here? Yes. Alright. Let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter 8. We'll do one more verse and then I think we can wrap up. So we'll keep studying this until we finish the, the, the scripture. Thank you Lord Jesus. But do you understand that now? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That though he was rich yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Verse 10, I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage. Remember, in the first verse, he says, listen, I am not giving you as a command, Right? I'm giving you an opinion. I'm giving you a suggestion. I want to share this with you as my thought. It says, I give my opinion in this matter. For this is to your advantage. Who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. You you guys desire to give. But it's over a year now, when you had that desire. You know, sometimes you tell yourself, I'm going to give to this ministry. I'm going to bless this ministry. That desire is there. You have to finish the desire. Because, the, the, the people you want to bless can't, get, can't do anything with that desire They have to execute it Are you following what I'm saying? So it, so, let's read on you see what Paul says It says But now finish doing it also This desire has been almost a year Close it up <laughs> And you know why Paul had to do this Because man Titus was going to come And Paul didn't want to be disgraced They say, "Ah, where is the offering? say, ah, we have not collected it. You have told us. So Paul sent them this letter ahead of time. See, that desire you had to be of a blessing to the saints, complete it. Some of you need to complete your desire to give. It's been years. And the next verse will tell you why it's easy to complete it. Look at what it says. It says, for if the readiness is present, it is acceptable. According to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Most of us want to give what we don't have, which is the one million you have planned to give to us. Give the 2,000 you have now. It is acceptable according to what a person has. That's Bible. Don't plan that you are going to buy a car for me. Buy According to what you have. Do you understand that? That's how a believer works. It is he that is faithful in little. That will be faithful in much. Ah, pastor, I will surprise you. Don't surprise me. It's not according to the surprise you have planned. It's according to what you have. Let me tell you this. Don't let any kingdom opportunity go by without participating. They say we have camp meeting or we want to buy this in church and it will cost $600 million. If it is six naira you have, right? It's according to what you have. That's the Bible. God will not ask you for what you don't have. And don't. I've seen many Christians not give because they don't want to give what they have. I I always tell this. I say, never be ashamed of the seed you have in your hand. I remember many years ago, 2001, I was in a program. Uh, I'll, I'll pick up from here next Wednesday. But I'll tell you this story. I was in a program, Winning Ways, 2001. I can't forget it. Match Ashimalo and uh, Reverend Sam made of this thought. I was with my friend. I had a hundred. I had two hundred naira. I'll transfer back with hundred naira. I had only hundred naira, and I told him. I said, "I'm going to give this money to, to Reverend Sam. <laughs> he said, "How are you going to do it?" I said, don't, don't "Just watch. I'll give it." So I wrapped the hundred naira in the jotter I was using. I went to the back of the stadium and uh, back of the hall, so I knew like where the speakers were coming from. So before the session, when they were going up, before they finished everything, I went and hid under the staircase. And as they were going, I just came out, I knelt in front of him and gave him the money, according to what I have. Same thing happened uh, in Fort Worth, uh, Kenyatta Minister's Conference. I was in the conference. I, I, was, I was still in the conference. I think I had maybe like $60 or $100 or something. Not like I had so much. And I saw Andrew Womack. He came around. He was talking to people. I I said, this is my opportunity. I just had picked up what I had. Went to him. Blessed him. It was quite easy. I didn't have to hide under the staircase because there were no protocols and nobody. It was just simple. Everybody was just... In fact, it was so simple that I didn't believe it was Andrew Womack. In my mind, no, it cannot be him. (laughs) You know? But, I mean, that was it. Some of you have seen the picture I took with him. That was when I took that picture. What am I saying? At that point, I could have said, Oh, Andrew Woman, Oh, God. God, $10,000. It's 10000 I want to give. God will be looking at me and say, Go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12. I thought you were a pastor. It, it is acceptable. Someone says it's acceptable. According to what a Listen to me. I beg you in the name of God. Anytime they mention giving, don't forget this scripture. What you have is, is, is acceptable. Because sometimes, you know, we, we've been preached to sometimes that when we look at what we have, they say, ah, no, you can't give. Are you joking with God? Is God your mate? No. It's what a man... God is not our mate, but it's what we have. Are <laughs> you hearing know what I'm saying? It will liberate believers to give. And you know what? There are rewards for giving. Oh, there are rewards for giving. Ah, there are absolute rewards for giving. It's acceptable according to what you have. I want you to change your mind today about giving. That seed in your hand that looks small, don't withdraw it back from the kingdom. Plant it. Amen. Plant it. Get into partnership. Get get, up, get our word. Connect partners from. Partner with us as we travel the nations. You might not be able to buy ticket today. But just buy something. Get in. Get in the flow. Partner every month. Get something in the partnership. Let the word go forth. Last story. I remember I used to partner with Brother Copeland while I was a student. You know, from, from, from Delta State University. I would send 150 naira to South Africa. Send $200 to South Africa. They know me in the South African office. <laughs> At a point, they now wrote me. They said, we know you really want to give, but it's difficult to change this money here. Just don't worry. We know you are a partner. I said, that's you people's business. Because, yeah. of course, they couldn't change Naira there until tomorrow. They know me in South African office. I'm sure it's my 100, 100 Naira to 200 Naira. So, God, I got my the 200 Naira guy. It was a guy that partnered with Brother Copeland. One dollar. He was partnering one dollar a month. One dollar a month. One dollar a month. One dollar a, a month. He said, Brother Copeland... I don't care. And they they began to call him the one dollar man. But today, he's one of the biggest partners of Brother Copeland. Biggest. Biggest. It's according to what a man has. I'll tell you this. Never despise the seed in your hand. It's according to what you have. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We call everyone who listens to this message blessed in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father God, that you just stay our hearts to give and respond to the kingdom according to what we have. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Alright, now, let's get our offerings ready according to what you have, okay? But you can also be like the Macedonians and give people.